Um, honestly and truthfully, I want you to know I, I miss all of you guys when we're not here. It's always nice to get away, but um, it's kind of interesting when I come back to the office on Tuesday, uh, I saw Marty, and uh, obviously that's Cassie and, Pac, uh, Cassie and uh, Stephanie's Pac's mom. Um, walked in, and you know, you realize you miss people when you see them, when you come back. It's like, well, you're, they're gone, you don't really miss them that much because you're just not around them, but then you see them, and you're like, yeah, that's right, I do like you, and I miss you. <laughs> so, so I want you to know, I do like you guys, and I did miss you. So uh, I'm happy to be back, though. It's always uh, an interesting thing because it's overwhelming every week to prepare a message and uh, to do the things that you do, but life would be meaningless without it, so I'm glad that I'm here. Um, I want to pray with you tonight before I start. I'm, I'm going to teach you something that I have really been talking to uh, Shelby about for, I'd say, a good month or so saying I wanted to teach, and I don't know why it's such a big thing because it's really a simple thing. It's nothing big, but I really want people to receive it and understand it, and even if it's not for you, it could be for your friends. It could be for somebody in your life that you're going to come into contact with. Maybe somebody that was in your past that you think about, and maybe you can think um, it's going to maybe kind of visualize something inside you. So if you could just want to bow your heads for a second and let me pray. <clears throat> Lord, I just pray that you would just uh, help me, Lord, to speak uh, your words of truth, Lord, that you would prepare each person's heart, Lord, that you would help them, Lord, to be receptive to everything, just like Cassie said, Lord, that, the, that your word would... Um, truly just uh, change their lives tonight. I just pray that you would help um, each person just be um, completely here and present, Lord, that they would not be distracted. And I just thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit and what you're going to do here tonight, Lord. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, tonight we're going to talk about something that's so simple. I mean, it is really, honestly, such a simple topic. And, and one I've he- I'm sure that you've heard, if you've gone to church at all, you probably have heard, is the parable of the sower. Uh, if you don't know what it is, obviously it's the farmer scattering seed. And uh, there's a lot of people say that uh, um, even though it's the parable of the sower, it's more so really like the parable of the dirt, the soil. Because it's really more so about the dirt and the soil and how the, the seed is planted. So um, there's really two ways of looking at that. I kind of was thinking about the fact that um, the parable of the sower, yes, the seed is, you know, we're going to discuss it, the seed is God's word, God's truth, the message of salvation. And uh, the dirt is obviously how receptive a heart's going to be, whether or not they're going to receive it. And even though we're going to discuss about the facts that a lot of it comes in the uh, area of the soil, there really is something to be said, too, about the sower. Because I do think that we have to have um, a lifestyle and uh, a backbone and, and just who we really are has to really um, be completely there too when we're sharing the message because I don't necessarily think that we're going to be that effective if we're not matching up you know so I think there is something to be said about the sower too I think there's uh you know it might be God's truth but if you're not really necessarily the the farmer doing all the right things you know before you've even met up with this person maybe that's why things don't work sometimes um, I do think people are responsible for themselves but I think that there's a lot to be said about the the, the message of sowing and reaping and and things like that. You know, we talk about um, end times. That there's a harvest that's going to take place. And the great harvest is when Jesus comes back for his faithful followers. And that's when the harvest is going to take place. He's going to take all those that are who are his true followers, and they're going to meet him up in the sky. And uh, then there's going to be the millennial reign, and he's going to come back and he's going to rule, you know, after, after this whole entire thing. So first the tribulation, then the millennium. And, and uh, it's going to be an interesting thing, what's going to happen in the future been thinking about this a lot and uh i think what is it today is the six right yeah on um, friday it's going to be oh eight oh eight oh eight that's pretty interesting god's word says he is eight is a number of completion even though number seven is the number of perfection eight is a number of completion so i, I think that's interesting i'm not saying that jesus is going to come back because i don't believe that nobody knows we have no idea when. It just, it can happen anytime. But, you know, kind of makes you think about stuff like that from time to time. And I think we should. I should think we should really seriously think about the fact that Jesus is going to come back. Because, like I said before in a couple messages that I talked to you about, people don't talk about it no more. People have this idea that we're just living and dying and this is it. But, you know, there's, there's so much more to the story. And I think if we leave out the whole equation of the fact that he's coming back, you know, it's, it's like 
And Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's like the Terminator. You know, I'm coming back. I'm, I'm going to deal with people. I'm going to rule. I'm going to be the ultimate judge. I'm going to take care of things. I mean, that's what he's going to come to do. So if we don't put that into the equation, it kind of really is leaving out the big picture of what it's all about. So um, we're going to spend some time looking on Matthew 13. It's actually 1 through 23, where Jesus is actually talking to his disciples. Those are his true followers. And it's the parable of the sower. Like I say, you, know, you can call him a farmer or a planter, whatever makes it easier for you to understand. That's what I want you to think about. And uh, this is basically a story that Jesus was using to explain what actually happens after we share the word of God with others, after we share what our faith means to us, uh, to them, you know, to the people we come into contact with. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, I'm sure you can pick out somebody. I'm sure in your memory you can think of somebody when we go through these different soils, that you're going to think, uh, maybe that person, that's what you see. And uh, I know I did. I know I have looked at these people, and I'm thinking, sadly, I can picture and know certain people that really represent these different areas of soil. And it's sad. It breaks my heart. But um, some who've been shared the message, and there's the hard road, there's the gravel, there's the weedy path, and then there's that good, black, rich soil. And I'm going to read you out of the message translation tonight. Actually, if you don't know the message, it's going to be a little bit more relevant to what you talk like and how you uh, word things today. It says, it's about the t- same time Jesus left the house and sat on the beach. In no time at all, a crowd gathered along the shoreline, forcing him to get into a boat. Using the boat as a pulpit, he addressed the people telling stories. What do you make of this? A farmer planted seed, and as he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road, and the birds ate it. Some fell in the gravel, it sprouted quickly, but it didn't put down roots, so when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds, and as it came up, it was strangled by the... Some fell in the weeds, and as it came up, it was strangled by the weeds, and still some fell in the good earth and produced a harvest beyond as well as dreams. Are you listening to this? Really listening? God's trying to get your attention on this one. Are you listening? Jesus says himself, are you listening? Are you really listening? The disciples then come up and ask, why do you tell stories? Jesus replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom, but it hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a heart that's ready for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories, to create readiness, to nudge the people toward receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and still not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again. Your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. The people are blockheads. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look. So they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. But you have God-blessed eyes. Eyes that see and God-blessed ears, ears that hear. A lot of people, prophets and humble believers among them, would have given anything to see what you are now seeing to hear what you're hearing, but they never had a chance. These words are powerful. I mean, it's powerful because these were people that followed Jesus, saw so many different promises in the Old Testament before he ever came as being the Lamb of God. They were told all this was going to take place. They never got to see all these different things that the people were then seeing. We see things from start to finish. We can read the Old Testament. We can see the whole entire promise of what was going to be delivered in the New And it's all there for us. And sadly, we don't pick it up. We don't study it. We don't know it. And, uh, you know, we are blessed to be in this time and place right now because everything's done. Everything's taken care of. All we do now is wait and really work on our own faith and make sure that we're in right standing where we need to be. Um, Like I said, why does Jesus tell us the scripture? Why does he say we need to pay attention to it? Why does he say, are you listening? Are you really, really listening? Because he knows that this is something that's very, very important. It's very important for us to pay attention. He says right afterwards, he says, study this story of the farmer planting seed. When anyone hears news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface, and the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of that person's heart. This is the seed that the farmer scattered on the hard road. The seed cast in the gravel, this is the person who hears it and instantly responds with enthusiasm, But there's no soil of character, so when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there is nothing to show for it. The seed cast in the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news, but weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangles what was heard and nothing comes of it. 
Then the seed cast on good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news and then produces a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. So we can see right off the bat, all, all soils are not going to be the same. All people are not going to accept the message of salvation or the word of God in the same way. It's not going to happen. That's why God says that the message has to be given to every single person. We can't judge if one person's more receptive, more ready than another. Only God has that opportunity. He can look into our hearts, and he knows whether or not people are really receptive. There's people that walk around with a hard shell. You'd never think that they're even receptive to anything that God's doing for them. And their lives can be changed. There's other people that look, and they'll cry, and they're very emotional, and they're this type of people, and there's nothing that ever takes place. Nothing happens. So, you know, we have to be willing to share this message with every single person. And I've told you before how the God's word describes Jesus. It says 100% God, 100% man. Jesus was an extremely smart man because he used stories that people could grasp. Like I said, these, he used stories that people could every day understand. This was a farming community. He understood that they understood that they could grasp a farmer scattering seed. They knew it. They understood that. And uh, what he was explaining to the disciples with the seed was the word of God. Like I said, that the soil is actually the heart of a person that the seed's going to fall into. And it's really about how good their dirt is and how they're going to really be able to grow that plant and then produce fruit for their future. So I kind of want to go through. There's four different things. Um, we got the hard dirt. You know, we've got different, different types of dirt. You got rocky dirt and thorny dirt and then good dirt. Um, I pray that you're all good dirt. I pray that you are. Um, sadly, I can tell you, you're probably not. Because I'll be realistic with you. God's word says very few are going to make it. And that's scary. That's why you have to really strive for it. You have to really look for it and want it. And there's so much there if we're just willing to accept it. Uh, we talk about the hard soil first. Uh, what he said was as he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and the birds ate it. And then he goes on to say the next part. He says, when anyone hears the news of the kingdom, doesn't take it in. It just remains on the surface, and the evil one comes along, plucks it right out of that person's heart. This is the seed the farmer scattered on the road. You know, if you've ever seen a path in the woods that's been traveled upon a lot, it's very hard and compacted, isn't it? When we were on vacation, we got like the last electrical site at Devil's Lake. This is a, an area where it's right next to the bathrooms and the showers. Believe me, that path outside of our little campsite going up to the bathroom, that path was hard-worn. I mean, that was hard as a rock because a lot of people had traveled that. So there, there was a whole lot of uh, compacted dirt. And uh, that ground was hard. And the hardened soil is just like a person's heart that has become hard and res you know, re um, resistant to what God's word is trying to say to them. And uh, a lot of people we come into contact with, they're really unbelieving. They're cynical. You talk about God, they're like, psh, God. You know, you can talk about God. You can talk about so many things. A lot of times if you mention Christianity or Christ, they get a little, like, put their hands up. They don't want to hear. They're very unmovable on this. They don't want to hear it. And uh, everything they hear, they doubt. They're the skeptics. You know, like, yeah, well, you know, they want to they disprove everything in here. I can tell you, honest to God, cross my heart, hope to die. There is nothing false in here. I'm telling you right now, I believe God's word 100%. And uh, I've read it through, and there's nothing there that's fake, nothing there that's phony. And uh, hopefully you trust me enough to believe that. But these people believe nothing. Everything they hear, they doubt. And they think a lot of times that they have this whole thing called life figured, you know, it's figured out in their minds. You know, you live, you die, you, that's it. You know, if life were so simple, I'm going to tell you, it is not that way. You don't get the opportunity to just say, okay, my life's over, I'm dead, I don't exist no more, because it's not going to be that way. God's word makes it clear that we never, ever die. In some part of us, we might have a physical death, but our souls, who we are, will exist forever. We don't have the opportunity to just be let go. You know, we're all these different denominations, these different religions you know, they'll sit there and say, oh, well, someday, you know, I'm going to come back. And I think Cameron was saying this one time when he was on vacation. He said something about, oh, be careful of those people. He says, you know, they'll come back. He says, they'll uh, come back as a horse fly and bite you. You know, that's what he was joking around saying to me. And I'm like, yeah. You know, they think that's what it's going to be, that if you didn't do things right, you're going to come back. It's not what God's word says, not at all. But they think that they got life at all figured out, and they turn from God they turn from those words that he says, and, you know, they pursue things in life instead of really what God tells us to do. 
and uh, they didn't work. Their lives aren't working. They're not happy. They're not satisfied. They're very miserable people most of the time. And uh, they expect things to constantly keep changing and being better for them, even though they don't do anything different. And I've told you before, that's actually the definition of insanity. They say the definition of insanity is doing things the same way, but expecting an opposite, a different result. And these people do this continually in their lives all the time. And over time, what happens is they become harder and harder to the word of God. They think they just got it figured out. You know, I, you, you, no, I don't want to hear about what your God is doing. You know, whatever. Don't think so. Well, God has a lot to say about that in his word. In Ephesians 4.18, it says they've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't even think straight anymore. They feel no pain. They let themselves go in sexual obsession, addict to every sort of perversion. What happens with sin is we become guilty. When we become guilty, we don't want to stand in the presence of God because it's way too convicting. That's why you will see people not be here no more. That's what happens. Same exact thing here. These people, after a while, they can't think straight no more. When a person begins to harden their hearts, they make it easy for Satan to start lying to them. You know what? It's one of those things. What does Satan whisper in your ear? They didn't like you anyway. I didn't, they didn't like me. I never was like there. I never felt good there. I, when I went to church, I always felt judged. I always felt miserable. I was this. I was that. Be careful who you believe because a lot of times the person that's whispering in your ear is not God. It is the enemy himself. And I want another thing to mention that to you too because we don't also talk about Satan very much. And if you read God's word, you hear that God talks a lot about the enemy, talks about Satan quite a bit, that he is ultimately trying to get us. And I, I, that's not paranoia. That's just truth. So we, we need to be aware of that. But these people start to believe um, more and more that there's no... There's no change. There's nothing real. There's nothing that's out there that's existing. And these people with hard resistance hearts, they don't have salvation. They're not saved. They're not going to go on to heaven. Um, the shortest verse in the Bible, John 11.35, that's something that you can remember forever. If someone says, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? It's John 11.35. Simple, Jesus wept. That's powerful. I know it sounds so simple. You're like, yeah, so Jesus cried. Um, it shows me right there that if we accept Jesus, there's going to be something inside of us that's different. There's going to be something, some sensitivity, some love, some compassion that's there that was never there before. You know, when you come to know the living God, you're going to begin to weep for the things that he wept for. Your heart's going to break for those things that his heart broke for. And you're going to see things in different ways. Um, I don't want to get all emotional because I was very emotional last night, but last night Gina and I had talked during prayer. And one of the things that Gina shared with me was a prayer request that she had. Uh, she works in a daycare, and there's this little boy that was there. And the lady that works there that takes care is not kind to this little boy. He's 16 months old. And when he comes over, because he's kind of dirty, and because he, he kind of smells, and his family doesn't take care of him so well, that when he comes over her 16-month-old little boy, she says, get away, get going, get out of here, is what she says to him. And when Gina was telling me the story, her heart was broken. She was crying. She says, it breaks my heart that somebody would treat him that way. And I said, it encourages me to see your heart be broken that way. I said, it just makes me realize more and more that your faith is real and genuine. Because if your heart breaks for a little boy who's treated that way, that he doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve that at all to be treated that way. I mean, God died for every single person. It don't matter how clean or dirty you are, how beautiful or ugly you are. It doesn't matter. And anybody that can treat another person that way, there's something wrong. And our hearts should break for stuff like that. And it just encourages me when I hear people say stuff like that to me, I'm thinking, you know what, you're on the right path. You're on the right path. Your heart breaks for the things that you're supposed to break for. I, I've said before, a couple years back, I went to Sandwich Fair one day. And before I went that day, I was reading my Bible, and I just thought, you know, I was just thought, I'm going to pray. And when I was praying, I thought, well, God, just help me see people the way that you see people. And what I did that day was I walked around and I cried the whole day. Worst day at the fair I could have ever done. I don't know why I picked that day. But truthfully, everybody's eyes that I come into contact with, it just broke my heart. And the worst thing was going into an area where they talked about abortion. I don't think I sobbed so much in my life as seeing these little babies and, and, and things like that that are aborted. That's life. That's life, and God says protect it at all costs. And, uh, you know, those things, we should be weeping for those things that God wept for. 
We have to follow more and more like him. Our life should change. We shouldn't be hard and cold. Our life should be different. I know my family has changed. John has changed. The person who John was before he got saved is a different person than he is right now. When I listen to John, he'll start telling me a story of something about God. This is a man who never cried in his life. I never saw him cry. He'll tell me a story now, and he'll, he'll start to, his voice will crack. He'll start to break. His eyes will tear up. And he'll tell me something, and I'm just like, you know, I, I know. A couple weeks ago on a Tuesday night, Cameron was telling me a story about a girl that he was um, hearing a story about somebody, and I guess he re- told the people at Steadfast to the story. And as he was telling me about it, he started crying. And you know what? You recognize this is what happens. There's something about our hearts change. Our hearts start to soften. We become more loving and gentle and kind and compassionate. And we just want to show love to people. And that's what Jesus was all about, was showing love and compassion. When we pray for CYM on Tuesday nights, when we pray at the beginning on Wednesday nights, when I just pray with you right now, one of the things I pray all the time is that God prepares the people's hearts that walk in here. You know, you, you go to prepare a garden in the spring, what happens, what you do is the ground's hard every spring. What you do is you get a rototiller in there and you kind of turn up that soil and get it all ready, pulverize it, get it ready so when you plant that seed in there, it's going to have a place to really take hold. That's what it's all about. When I pray on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night, I pray that you guys' hearts are prepared, that you're ready to receive the message and that you're, you want it, that you're open for it. What does he say? He says he speaks in stories so that you're receptive, that you're going to get this. That's what it's all about. So our hearts need to be changed. Our hearts need to be softened. We need to be more compassionate and loving. There's no such thing as having a hard heart as a Christian. God's word says, he says, even like uh, hatred, is something that is despised in his eyesight. He hates hatred. He doesn't like it. We're not supposed to hate. We're not supposed to be that way. So then he goes on and makes a point to say about rocky dirt. And uh, that's the second type of soil that Jesus talked about. And it says here that some fell in the gravel. It sprouted quickly, but it didn't put down roots. And when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. And then Jesus went on to explain a little bit later. He says, the seed cast in the gravel, this is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm. But there is no soil of character. So when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. We all met them, the people with the good time hearts. You know, man, they're just here for the good times. Uh, A lot of those people will hear the word, they accept it, they're like, yay, I want this, you know, I want this. But what ends up happening is really they're truly more concerned with their enjoyment and maybe the atmosphere and having a good time and making friends and and, uh, doing all that stuff. You know, they come to church or they maybe come here and it's all about being cared for by others. And there's nothing wrong with that up to a point. Except they never seem to get past the point when it's not all about them no more. You know what I mean? We met them. Those people that suck every bit of emotion and energy out of us because it's always about them. It's always about petting them, making them feel happy. And there comes a time in our Christianity, if we're really truly who we say we are, we no longer need to suckle on a bottle or a mama's breast. We have to start feeding others. This is what it's all about. God's word says that. It says these people are still babies, they're still infants, they're doing nothing. It's like there's time where God says, grow up. Grow up, start feeding others. And so there's a lot of those people that come in and understand salvation. They just really accept it. Good time heart people. It's like, I'm here for myself, man. Just feed me, pet me, make me feel good about myself so I can walk out the door. And that's not what Christianity is. You should be changed so that you want to change others. There's something that changes inside of us, and we have to be aware of that. Um, a lot of times they can't take people encouraging them. And I want you to understand, and not encouraging as in, oh, you're great, but encouraging is like, hey, do you realize you're screwing up here? Because encouragement is also correction. It's rebuking. It's challenging people and their faith. And when they get challenged, a lot of times they're just gone. They move on. They don't stick around. Uh, this soil, this person is all about the experience, and man, it had better been good. Because when the good times end, so do they. When the tough times come, and I want you to understand, we've talked about it many times, they will come. If you are a true Christian, a true follower of Christ, 
What did we sing tonight? What did Emma and Cassie and, and Ellie do? The song, the last song. Bring the wind, bring the rain, bring the hurt, bring the pain. Because it's going to happen if you're really truly a Christian. There are going to be some tough times you're going to go through, and it, you better have an anchor. You better be holding on tight to the living God, or you're not going to make it. You're going to falter. You're going to fail. You're going to have a misstep. You're going to trip, and you're down. You're done. It's like the weak. You know, if you're looking at a whole you know, herd of elephants or whatever it is that's little babies left behind, ain't long before that one's taken down and done. That's what the enemy's doing. He's always searching. His word says he's like a roaring lion, searching back and forth to look for the one that's weak that he can pick off. That's what he's trying to do. So these people that are all about the fun times, man, you got to realize you got to grow up. It's not just about the fun times anymore. Uh, Faith is not a perpetual party. It doesn't continue on every day, you know. Um, I love Christians. I love to be around them, but sometimes I honestly want to give them one big swift kick in the butt and just say, move it on, people. Let's get going here. Time to move. Time to do something. Let's go, you know, because they don't get it. Um, a lot of times what people will do when they um, accept Jesus as their Savior, now I told you, I don't, I don't push that. I'm not a person who makes you say, you, you tell me tonight whether or not you want Jesus. I think you need to be listened to it. I think I need to tell you every single week what Jesus has done for you. I think you need to think about it. But I also am not going to force a response from you. Because I think a lot of times what's happened with those people are that soil. That out of enthusiasm or out of being forced, they say yes, but they didn't really mean it. And I think we really have to mean it. I think we really have to be ready for this. Because his word says tough times are going to come. Man, if you don't really ready for it, don't say yes. Because it's going to be a tough battle. Um, a lot of times people grow too quickly or they fall away just as fast when those tough times come. Um, some go over the top with their Christianity. They get all super spiritual. You've met them. I'm sure you've met them, the super spiritual. And they don't last long because you know what? It is not real a lot of times for people. Um, I've told Chubby, I said, I've had this like idea one time when I was talking to her about Christianity. I said, it's kind of like those stars that go supernova. You know how it's like all of a sudden this, this star is there and it just gets heating up and all of a sudden it's like heats up and heats up and gets brilliant or like a light bulb, you know, when you bump the light bulb and all of a sudden it goes, goes super bright and then before long what happens? Out. I think that's what happens with Christians sometimes. I think that they think it's all about emotions or something I have to do to make myself feel good or I have to be all this way. There's nothing you should do that isn't real what's really in your heart. I couldn't be doing this if it wasn't real. You'd see through it. There's no point. You have to be a real person. And these people that do this supernova, super spiritual thing, most of the times they burn out and they don't last. I'm not saying that you shouldn't follow after God and you shouldn't seek after him with all your heart. You should. But I'm saying you have to really mean it deep down. It can't just be a word thing that you said. It's got to be something you meant from your heart. A lot of times these people might look like Christians. They might sound like Christians, but they're not true Christians. They're not a true Christ followers because God actually told the disciples this was not going to be easy. So if you expect easy, it's not going to happen. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12 that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not can be, not be, might be. It will be. You will be persecuted at some point. Like I said, all of us can hope and pray that someday it's only going to be told, hey, you're a holy roller. If that's persecution, man, give it to me. <laughs> Because I don't think that's what they mean. I think they're talking about those people that someday you're going to be told, deny Christ, accept that you're going to follow Islam, or if I'm going to cut your throat and you're going to be dead. I think that's what he's talking about. When he's talking about real followers of Christ, people who are going to be raised up and have to battle for their lives. This happens all the time in the world. We just don't hear about it. There's more missionaries that get killed in this century than there has been in centuries past. We just don't hear about them. We're not hearing about the things that take place. Um, Christianity, if you read God's word, shows us that it's not just a fun experience. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a struggle. But you can make it. You can make it. Then there's also the thorny, thorny dirt, the thorny ground. God's word says, Some fell in the weeds as it came up. It was strangled by the weeds. And Jesus described it like this. The seed cast in the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news, but weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangles what was heard, and nothing actually comes of it. People are too concerned with their world and with riches and, and with the things it offers us. 
you know, these are the people that, man, am I making enough money? How much money do I have put away for a rainy day? What happens if the economy collapses? What am I going to do? Do I have enough stored up? That's not what we're supposed to be thinking about as Christians. Am I driving the right car? Do I have the right image? Do I look good enough to the world? Am I thin enough? Am I pretty enough? You know, this is the things that people get concerned with. Hanging out with the right people. Am I friends with the good people? You know, do I hang out with the cool ones or, you know, am I with the losers? You know, this is what people think about. God says that's not what you're supposed to concern with. He says, look at the flowers in the field. You know, God clothed them with beautiful things and, you know, they don't concern themselves. You know, it's just the way they are. And these people, a lot of times, the ones that are described in the thorny dirt, they desire to be confident in all areas of their lives. They have all the resources to make it. Whatever way they're going to do it, they're going to make it. And those same people, a lot of times, will follow after God just to try to control what's going to happen in the next world just like they have now. They think, you know what, as long as I accept Jesus, I'm going to be okay, and I'm going to have everything figured out in the next life too, just like I have here. But deep down, they don't mean it. They don't mean it. They're not really that concerned with really following after God and being disciplined and being obedient. It's more about controlling their own lives and making sure that they have the next act of it figured out too. That's what happens with people. There's people that try to store up riches. And then they still try to serve Jesus. Doesn't work. Um, some people try to have the hottest girl or guy and still follow Jesus. Doesn't work. Or they work all hours of the day with their careers or, you know, they get involved with hobbies or, or whatever, and they think they can spend all their time on that and still follow Jesus. And they don't get it because that's not what God's word says. God's word actually says that it's not him plus things, but him and no other thing. Yes, you can do other things, but it's not supposed to ever be in the place of what is first. Jesus wants to be first in our lives. I told my daughter, I, I told her just this morning, I said, I struggle with that from time to time because I know my family doesn't understand. They don't understand my faith. They don't get it. They don't understand how this can mean more than everything. I'm talking about my sister. I was raised by my sister and, and uh, her husband from the time I was seven because my mom died. And uh, they didn't understand when I got saved that I really wanted to put all my energy and my efforts into following after God. But that's what God's word says to do. I don't neglect them, but I'm also not with them every day of my life. You know, there's times where I spend way more time. I see you guys a hundred times more than I see my family. But that's what I'm called to do. They don't understand it, but it's what it's supposed to be about. Um, what happens with people with those things, they don't understand that Jesus actually desires to sustain us on a daily basis. It's not about storing things up. It's not about having all things figured out. It's about relying and holding on to him on a daily basis. It's getting up that day and saying, Jesus, help me today. You know, it's not this idea of thinking that you can get everything figured out and someday, you know, it all is going to work out because you have everything planned. And there's a scripture that um, points this out. In Luke 12, 16 through 20, um, Jesus told them this story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll big, build bigger ones. Then I'll gather all my grain and goods and I'll say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made and now you can retire. Take it easy, have the time of your life. And then just then God showed up and said, you fool. Tonight you're going to die and your barn full of goods, who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not God. If you're concerned about yourself, it's only about yourself and what you have, what you desire, what your needs are. If that's what it's all about, God calls you a fool. You're a fool. He says, don't store up riches for yourself that can be ate away, rust away, be eaten by moths. He store up for those things that are going to matter. I can tell you right now what you spend your time on. If you spend your time on following after Christ and doing the things of, that Christ would want, none of your time is a waste. None of your time is worthless. It's all meaningful because none of this can be taken away. It's actually recorded, noticed by God himself. He says every time that we discuss him together, he writes it down in a book. That's how much he loves it when people discuss him. When two or three are gathered, he hears us. He notices. He hears the prayers of the righteous person. You know, here's a God that wants to be in our lives on a daily basis in a personal way, but we don't allow it. We're the ones that put our hands out and say, no, no, not that close. Back up. I don't want you that close to me. 
it's up to us to say, come here, closer, come, closer to me. That's my prayer every single day. It's like, God, more. I want to be closer and closer and closer to you. That's what I want to be. And that's what our hearts should be doing. We should desire to be more and more close to him, not farther apart. True Christianity, we're going to stay step in step with him. That's what it's all about. This, and again, is another person who might look like the real thing, a true Christian, but they're not real. Um, it's just like that story I told you a few weeks ago about the rich young ruler uh, who was keeping all those commandments of God but didn't understand um, that he was storing up things for himself and he wasn't sacrificing them. So what did Jesus tell him? He said, yes, you're following all those things, but you're wealthy, so you know what? Do me a favor. Go give all that up and then come follow me. And he just looked away sad because he knew what he was doing was he was storing up things for himself. He was relying and holding on to his wealth to get him through for his future. And Jesus was able to see through Jesus is able to look in each one of our hearts and see where we're at, where we're failing. None of us are perfect. I might love Jesus with all my heart. I still struggle on a daily basis with things. We all do. But he sees through. We're never, we're never sh- not showing him and revealing. He can see through. Whether we confess it or not, he sees through. Um, then there's the good dirt. There's the soil that Jesus says was good. Some fell on good earth, produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. He describes it as the seed cast on good earth. It's the person who hears and takes in the news and produces a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Good dirt equals a fertile, plowed-up heart, ready to be planted with the word of God, just like I say what we do when we pray for. This is the person who hears the word of God, is open to it, starts to begin to understand it. We don't understand it right off the bat. I mean, God knows it's the truth. It's hard to understand at the beginning. But the more you read, the more he reveals Like he said to the disciples, your ears are open to it. You understand it. These people don't know it. Once you accept Jesus as your Savior, once you accept it and you pray, before I pick up my Bible, if you pray and say, God, show me what's here. Reveal it to me. It all seems like Greek until all of a sudden you start to read it and you're like, whoa, that makes sense. I get it now. That's what happens more and more. So this is a person who hears the word of God and is open to it and begins to understand it. They recognize the need of a Savior. They recognize that this is going to be a tough road to hoe. You ever hear that garden term? It's like, this one's going to be a tough one. This is going to be a tough road to hoe. And uh, they love Jesus enough to still carry on. They recognize and believe there's no possible other way to live. I can tell you right now, as a, as a true follower of Christ for the last 15 years, and didn't for 28, I can tell you right now, I will never go back. I will never go back to not having the security of knowing that my God is right next to me. It is such an awesome feeling to know that there's never fear. I don't care what circumstance I'm in. If there's a a trouble, God's word says, the name of Jesus, enemies will flee. So when we're someplace, what happens when somebody gets in an accident? What happens when something happens that's dangerous? What do people do? Even if they're not found after God, what do they yell out? Oh, my God. Where do you think that comes from? It's embedded in us. We're made in the image of God. It's put there by him. It's not something society's picked up. It's something that's there because it's real. It's genuine. I love Christ with all my heart. It makes me sad that I think I spent 28 years of making such stupid mistakes, dumb choices, things that I honestly breaks my heart and I cry still to this day that I did because it was horrible. But that's what's so great about God is he forgives and he gives us a fresh start and gives me an opportunity to talk to kids. How great is that? You know, if you knew me before, you wouldn't believe me. You had nothing to do with me. I wouldn't want to be around you. I'd ruin your lives. So, you know, you recognize the need of salvation. You recognize it's going to be tough, but you carry on because you love God. This is a real Christian. And because of the realness, they go on to produce much more of themselves than just themselves. It's sharing the message of Christ with other people, and they get it. There is nothing better for me than to look out and see somebody get it. When I see them, like, there's something, that they're, they're getting it. That's what's so great. Because it's like, yes, I want you to understand what Jesus did for you. I don't want you to turn your back. But I can tell you right now, when you truly love Christ, what you notice, like I told people before, we went to Hosapalooza. We had a great time. Everyone's there. But the true follower, a true person who is a true lover of Christ and a pastor's heart, they recognize the people who aren't there. That's the ones my heart still breaks for. I might be having a great day, but I'm thinking, yeah, but that person dropped out. That person got too concerned with the world. That person failed and stumbled. And that's what I think about. 
because that's, that's honestly what breaks my heart the most is when I see people who I thought were going to make it and they didn't do it. When you love something, you truly love it and you see it's worth, man, you want to tell others about it, don't you? Case in point, the iPhone, Russell and Shelby. Russell, do you like your iPhone? Yeah, I'm telling you, Russell will tell you no matter what it costs, buy one. Buy one because it's like the best thing ever. Um, Shelby and Cameron, that's all they did. You know, this constantly, like, look, check through the iPhone and, you know, check this out. Shelby's like, I don't know how you're going to survive, Mom, and we're not here. You're not going to know anything because you don't have an iPhone. I'm like, I'll probably survive. But they love it, you know. They love it. They think it's great. I love Jesus with all my heart. I want to tell other people about it because I know it is all the difference of life fulfilling and life nothing. You know, it, it's the difference. Um, I know my life is meaningless without Jesus. I know I need to share the message of Christ with others. And I know when I received him into my heart and I experienced his forgiveness of sins, it changed everything. It changed everything in my life. So Jesus makes a point of discussing the four different types of soil that represents these people's hearts, and he asks us to study them. He says, study these things. Pay attention to them. And I think we really need to look inside of ourselves tonight, each one of us, because even though we're looking at all these four different types of soils, Truthfully, each one of us has probably a little bit of each one inside of us still. Like I said, none of us are perfect. You know, do I still get concerned with the world? Absolutely. You know, we all do that. You know, um, my, my rusty old car. You know, would I like a new car? Yeah, I'd love to have a new car. I'd like to have a nice shiny car. I'd like to have a really nice black charger if I could. That'd be pretty cool. Not going to happen, probably because I'm too poor, but that's okay. <laughs> Not going to probably happen. But also, you know what? There's still times where I get very hard-hearted. I get very put off by people. I don't necessarily gravitate towards a person, maybe just a personality, something. And there's parts of my heart that need to be changed. Um, there's times where, honestly, I'm just closed off to what God is trying to do in my life. You know, I just don't want to give up this part of my life. It's like, I'll do this, this, and this, but God don't ask me to do this. Um, this year, I have struggled like crazy since January to try to lose weight because food I knew was an obsession for me. It was what I was putting in place of my faith a lot of times. Instead of dealing with something, I'd eat. You know, it was, it's what happens. And I've struggled. Weight doesn't come off. I can tell you right now, it's the truth. What everybody tells you when you hit 40, you don't lose weight, it's the truth. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't come off. But you know what? I'm trying. I'm going to try to get that part of my life in order. I'm not perfect, but I'm going to try to be better. I also have a good heart. I have a good soil because I know my faith is real and genuine. For us to be good dirt, we need to allow God to break up the hard ground of our lives. We need to give God permission to look into your heart, examine it, and then you really need to make the choice to let God change you. Give him permission. Look at me, God. See the parts that are not good about me. Examine my heart. Search my heart, O oh God. Do you remember that old song that we used to sing in church? Search my whole heart, O oh God. Is it, ever tr- is it really true? You know, do I look more like you every day? It, this is the kind of stuff we're supposed to do. We're supposed to search ourselves, study ourselves, think about who we are. It shouldn't be something like God's word says, but we look in the mirror and we forget what we look like as soon as we walk out. You have to read God's word. It's mandatory. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to follow God, you have to read God's word. It's the manual. This is how you're going to do it. This is how you're going to make it. And you have to grow deep roots. You have to follow after God. You have to have something to anchor yourself. Hold on tight because tough times are coming. And you have to be friends with those who love the things that you love. You have to be a friend with other believers. Yes, you might have friends that you're trying to reach. But a long time ago, I heard a preacher talk, and I thought, I believe this. He said, your truest friends, your closest friends should be people that love the same things that you love. It's like that is something that we should need to think about. The people who I am the most comfortable around, the people who I know love Jesus, I need to be friends with them. They need to be my best friends. Those are the people I have to be drawn to. Yes, we have an opportunity to reach others. But our closest friends should be those that are living lives like us. Then pull weeds. Don't get involved with everything that's going to come down the pike. There's going to be a lot of things thrown at you. If you are trying to follow up to God, I'm going to tell you it is a matter of time before someone comes up and offers you everything. People, what happens, 
a lot of times is they will be offered the job of a lifetime once they got saved. Once they start to grow, all of a sudden this job opportunity opens up. I know it happened by experience. My family member, I don't even know because we do podcasts now. I don't know if they'll hear here. But my brother is how I got saved. And my brother walked up to the altar one day when I first started coming to the church, and he prayed with pastor to receive this job. This job was going to be the answer to everything. It was going to be it. So he took off. He started working for the railroad, and he started going to Iowa. And he was over there all the time. Before long, he found another girlfriend. He had the job of a lifetime. Everything was great, but he ruined his marriage. He ruined his life, and he's not serving God right now. Who got me to understand what Jesus is has walked away. Because the world crept in. The weeds grew up, strangled his faith away. So pull the weeds. Uh, spend the time in an area where you're never going to regret it. You're never going to regret working on your faith. You're never going to look back and think, man, I wish I wouldn't have read the Bible. Man, I wish I wouldn't have grown in my faith. You're not going to do that because it is life-changing. Don't fall for the worries, the riches, and the pleasure that this world is always offering us. Don't fall for it. Like I said, it's never a surprise to me when someone I knew started to follow and all of a sudden they get a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they're gone. Or they start to follow after God and there's something else that starts to take all their time. I, I could go through, in five, it, six years that I've done youth ministry, I can show you a list of visitors and people who come in, people who started to come and be part of it. Honest to God, it's probably about this big, this list of people. And before long, they're gone. You don't see them. Because jobs, hobbies, the opposite sex, money, all started to take place over God. Eventually, if we're doing the right things, if we are true good soil, it says that you're going to be able to look back on your life and you're going to even have produced 30, 60, maybe 100 times what you've been given, which means that you're not going to only receive salvation yourself, but you're going to have the opportunity to reach others. Because I got saved and my life got changed, my kids got saved and their lives were changed. My husband's life got saved. He got saved and his life got changed. And Cameron has gone on to be, do ministry. Shelby's involved with Alpha Ministries. These are things that are life-changing. How awesome is it to have an opportunity to walk up here and see kids that were started in our youth ministry 12, 13 years old, and they're here running ministries. You know, people who've come in in a short amount of time, and they have servanthood. They're real. They're genuine. They're faithful followers of Christ. I mean, it truly is amazing to me that I have an opportunity to do that. And, you know, it doesn't matter if my name's ever known. It doesn't matter. Because what matters is that I've seen people's lives change for God, and that's what's worth it all. Be good dirt. Be good dirt. Don't, don't fall for the tricks. I get so tired. I know people get so sick of me because I will say, you weren't here last week. Where were you? It's not because I want you here and I want to check you off in a book and I want to know, wow, we have this many people tonight. It doesn't matter. What I also know, though, is it is a very long before one or two absences end up being gone forever. So if I ask you a question, it's not because I want to just you know, micromanage or put my thumb on you and say, come on, get it figured out. But it's because I'm concerned. I don't want you to fall away. I want you to make it. With all my heart, I want you to make it. There's a couple people right now that I have chased for so long. And I know God's finally said, you know what? Let them go. Let them go. That's all I can do. I've done my part. I've shared the message. I've told them how much I'm there for them. I'm here for them, and no matter what I can do, but their choices, they don't want it right now. All you can hope for is that someday they'll come back, that the seed will be planted enough, that somehow deep down in their cold heart that's tangled up with weeds, that somewhere somebody's going to come by and throw out another new seed or something's going to take place, and they're going to go, yes, I remember that. I remember one day years ago <laughs> when I was like 12 years old, 13 years old, that Deb said that. All I can hope for is that. So I just really want you to, like, work on your faith. Don't, don't look at this as something that's going to take care of itself because it isn't. It will not work. If you don't put effort in, you will not change. Your life won't change. 
Every bit of my life that's changed is because I put effort in. Anything worth doing is worth doing well, right? If you're going to say that you're a follower of Christ, do it right. Don't be half-hearted. Don't be all worried about the world. And, man, commit yourself to it. Just commit. But I want to give you an opportunity tonight. I know time is up. We're going to dismiss. But I want to give you an opportunity. I understand what Jesus did. The one thing I'm reading in my studies is the fact that we're always supposed to explain with witnessing, we're supposed to explain who Jesus is. He's the God who died for our sins, the perfect sacrifice. We're never going to be good enough. He was the perfect sacrifice in place of us to receive salvation. What he isn't, he's not a good teacher. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a good man. He's not just this. He is God. So when people tell you, oh, yeah, he was a good guy. No, Jesus wasn't just a good guy. He was God. And then also, what did he do? He died for you. He died for each one of you so that you can live forever in eternity. Not in, in eternity in hell, being tormented with pain forever, but to have him around you and to have a life that's fulfilling and pleasurable and paradise. That's what it's about. So I just want to pray for you again. I want you to think about the message of salvation. I want you to think if you want it. If you want it, you don't have to. I mean, you, I would love it if you can come up to me and tell me you, that you've done it. But you can do this in your bed at night. You can say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart. Change me. I want my life to be different. That's all you have to do. It's not hard. It's not difficult. It's just very simple words. And you think, well, how could that change anything? That's when he says, he writes your name in the book of life. Your life is there. Now, he says you can be erased. If you're not doing right, you can erase you. It says that. He says your name can be erased. So you have to continue. But think about the cost. Are you willing to stand up for your faith? You're willing to be persecuted. You're willing to fight the battle of not falling for the, what the world offers. So let me pray for you real quick. Lord, I just ask that you would just help each person here, Lord, to really understand who you are and what you've done. Not just some God that's up in the sky that they've never understood, Lord, but that you would really reveal yourself to them, Lord. That no matter what they're doing, if they're reading or if they're watching television or if they're talking to friends, Lord, that there's something inside them, Lord, that would just come alive and they'd recognize just who you are and what you've done for them personally, Lord. Not just for mankind, but them personally. Those who think they're good enough, those who think they're horrible and are never should be receiving salvation, Lord, we know that you died for each one of those. And I just pray, Jesus, that they would just really grasp that and that they'd change, Lord. I just pray that there would be real, true good soil here tonight and that you would just uh, be writing people's names down, Lord, right after this message. I just thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. We praise you, we thank you, we love you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.